talking about the Lord's Prayer from an Aramaic perspective, and it's not this mechanical prayer that we were taught, right? We were taught, and when we pray it corporately, it sort of got mechanical over the years, and it really lost its power and its potency when it's done as a ritual or a tradition as opposed to a, a play in the heart. And so we know we have this loving father, mother, presence, intimate, compassionate, where everything around us, the entire cosmos, the entire universe, calls out for peace and harmony. And we find that peace and harmony in part through recognizing that in his name, as we meditate in our heart on him, we're actually creating space because we're expanding the depth of our being, the internal part of our being, where the true living God speaks and encourages and empowers us. And then in that place, in that space, as we take the time to tap into that place, he gives us a sovereign counsel, which gives us the capacity to learn outside the box. You know, I've thought about that all week. Have you? His sovereign counsel. Yeah. His kingdom. Yeah. He takes us outside the box. The literal no error in Scripture is a box. Let's just be, let's just be blunt. It's a box that keeps people in captivity. I believe it's the number one. Yeah. And so he comes, and as we create that space and, and, and recognize in awe and wonder and begin to feel the rhythm of the Trinity, because we're part of that now, as we feel that rhythm and that oneness, it just expands in us. And then we look and we ask, Dad, what's your desire for today? Not my desire, but my desire comes from his desire, but I don't put my desire first. I go, Dad, what's your desire? And that desire is not only his desire for us, his good, his good pleasure for us, but it's all of humanity. We impact all of humanity. And I think that's the one thing that, one of the biggest things I lost as I, as I learned and struggled with the Lord's Prayer in the early days is it just never felt like it took me outside of myself into the community, into others. And then last week we talked about it's not a mandate for acceptance, thy will be done. We're already accepted. And then we talked about on earth as it is in heaven is actually about the release of his compassion, his mercy his kindness, his love. Because in the invisible realm, which we are part of, right? We're part of the invisible realm, but we're a physical manifestation from that. The mercy and the compassion, the depth of all of that is way beyond what we've ever experienced. But as we work our way through letting the the passionate, compassionate side of, of the Trinity come through, we're learning more and more how to be compassionate and merciful towards others and ourselves. Linda. Would you just pray it above that compassion and mercy that's it's on earth as in heaven is a release of that? Release of? Yeah. Compassion and mercy. Of compassion and mercy, yeah. And I don't know about you, whatever tradition you grew up in, but the Lord's Prayer was always taught to me to be a personal 
internal review of myself. But when we get to give us this day our daily bread, that changes. When you, when you were taught, give us this day our daily bread, what, what were you taught? What did you believe? No, well, maybe just, I think it was kind of like, just give me what I need today to live. Give me what I need today to survive, yeah. to get through the day, yeah. the bare minimum. Right. Yeah. How does that sound today? Knowing what you know. That's just as bad as this time change. <laughs> Give us this day. What do you think day? What do you think that? To me it sounds like, Give us, give us what I need materially. Give us what I need materially. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of what it's talking about. That's what we were taught. But day, what about day? It reminds me of the manna, you know, every yeah. day. You only get what you need for today. Yeah. There's, there's a, don't take more than what you need. Yeah, don't take more than what you need. Well, day, present, now. In my present, in my now, I do need things, right? I do need some physical things. I do need some material things. But beyond that, I need the wisdom and counsel that he promises with the kingdom coming. And I need it not just for me, but for all around me. How do I relate to Mary? How do I relate to Gary? How do I relate to Carol? Comes out of today I need something called bread. Go back to your charismatic days. When we used to use the phrase hot bread, what were we talking about? The Word of God. The Word of God. Or a rhema word. A rhema word. Fresh. Fresh. Fresh what? Revelation. Revelation, insight. Something to break through the moment so I can live beyond myself. Because are we not called to live beyond ourselves? God is mindful of us just as he is like the birds he feeds us. But... Isn't it nice to have abundance to go beyond ourselves with? To be able to help others with? Not just monetarily, not just materially, but even wisdom. What's prophetic voice about? Going beyond ourselves to give something to people that that they have that helps awaken them to the Jubilee. And so when we listen to Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread, Klotz writes this sort of poetic response. Grant what we need each day in bread and insight, substance for the call of growing life. So give us whatever I need today to grow. Give us the food we need to grow through each new day, through through each illumination of life's needs. Let the measure of our need be earthiness. Give all things simple and passionate. Produce in us, for us, the possible. Each only human step toward home lift lit up. Help us fulfill what lies within the circle of our lives. Each day we ask no more, no less. Animate the earth within us, and we then feel the wisdom underneath supporting all. Generate through us the bread of life. We We hold only what is asked to feed the next mouth. Grant what we need each day in bread and insight. And so he's talking about 
both food for, for the natural, but also for the soul and spirit. My spirit knows so much, but I need the counsel of God to reveal it to me in the consciousness of my mind. And so when, I, when I'm praying, give us this day our daily bread, I'm asking God, give me the wisdom and insight to know everything that's inside of me. Give me the wisdom and insight to know where to put my energies today, where I don't waste them. Because when we get to forgive us our debts, uh, our debts and trespasses as we forgive those who've committed debts or, or offenses against us, I don't want to spend my whole life trying to figure out here, who did I hurt today? I want God to give me the insight that I know. What do I need to take responsibility for today? What do I need to know in terms of avoiding temptation? That's part of my daily bread. It's part of my wisdom and part of my insight. Carol? So what I keep hearing um, inside regarding daily bread is um, nurturing. Yes. Ooh, good word. Nurturing for myself and then how I can nurture others. Yeah. Because if I'm not nurtured, then I cannot nurture others. What does that suggest in terms of how you fit being nurtured? How does that how does that fit what we've been learning then? We go way back here, right? This loving father who wants to convey his intimate, loving self and to provide that within us, that's part of nurturing. And that's part of being nurtured. And so, like last night, you know, we, uh, Gary, Carol, and I um, did some work with Ed yesterday, and then we connected with Sharon and went to dinner. And there was this waitress who was just bubbly and awesome. And, and we had the opportunity to speak into her. And that's, that's a form of nurturing. Mm-hmm. We spoke into the life of, that God has called her to and revealed to her and lifted her up in a way that <laughs> I think... If in another couple of minutes she would have started crying and well, and not only did we we nurtured her, she nurtured us back. Oh, she did, absolutely. You know, we we get down and she goes, "Do you guys know how to pray? Are you good at praying?" And then she got down on her knees, at the restaurant at our table, grabbed our hands, and we prayed together. <laughs> this is a young in a restaurant, dad. yeah. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. So in the Aramaic, bread can translate literally food, and it also translates understanding. And in the, Amer- in the Aramaic culture, bread was sacred. The physical bread was sacred. If you had bread and one of your enemies came and said, I'm hungry, and you put, you put them at the table and you fed them bread, you had 72 hours you could not attack them, kill them, or hurt them because bread was considered so sacred and the breaking of the meal was uh, bread was considered so sacred because bread came from God to to violate that would have been in their mind an offense against God they were so connected they saw bread as so connected to the provider to God the one who gives life and then when you added bread and salt you, it was a covenant and as long as you honored the bread and salt covenant your enemy now became your protector, and you now became your enemy's protector. Wow. Greg? Also, the the word day is not necessarily a 12-hour period or a 10-hour period. Day can be an expanse, because John 
John said, while it is still day, you know, when, when you are still, when you are still visible to us, just feed us. It's not like saying, well, just give us 12 hours of daylight. Yeah. If, if I, it's more, there's it, more it, to it than just a day. It's like a state of being. Yeah. It's almost like now. Yes. It's another give way. Us of, now. Yes. In our current state of being, in our now, give us bread. What's that word above now? I can't get it from back here. Expanse. That's a Greg, that was a Greg word there. So, give us this day our daily bread. Bread in that culture was all, in the Aramaic culture, is also representative or a picture of growing vigor, warmth, passion, possibility, and the instruments of this generative power, our energy. Physically, it helps our energy. Emotionally, it helps our energy. Because if I'm stuck, if I'm locked emotionally, it takes a lot of energy to maintain life around that. If I want to suppress something, it takes a lot of energy to keep it down. So God is, you know, in his prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Give me understanding so I don't have to put all my energy pushing stuff down, but let it come up and be healed. And so it's an, it's an expansive term. And it also implies, though, that I'm getting something for me, but I'm also getting something for the community. How many of us want to impact the community? Whatever community is defined by. Why not? I mean, Jesus was teaching them to impact the community by undoing old thinking. And right now in our culture, in, in the Western evangelical culture, what we've been taught about the Lord's Prayer is old thinking. It's time to jettison it. Greg. It also reminds me of the Last Supper when Jesus said, broke the bread and said, this is my body, I give it to you. That's like saying, give us yourself today. Give me today whatever you have for me, feed me with it. You know, because you are the, you are the bread of life. So feed me today what you have, and I, you know, I will consume. Yeah, and and didn't he? Didn't Jesus say, "He who eats of this bread will never go hungry"? Yeah. Now this author in creating a trap for God talks about bread. It can be representative of ideas. It can be representative of wisdom. It can be representative of food. It can be representative of prosperity. Whatever I need, whatever I need, material, physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever I need is encompassed in that word bread. But I was taught it was material. Give, give, me, give me what I need for today, Lord, so I can pay the bills, so I can buy food. But that takes me and puts me internally focused and not community focused. I mean, I'm internally focused to the extent I have a need, but I don't dwell there. Because doesn't, doesn't he say, I will supply all of my needs? Yep. Mm -hmm. And so then that means if I truly believe that, then I understand that bread is there every time I need it. Carol. Well, and when I, when I understand that all of my need is met, then internally I have peace. Mm -hmm. 
And my internal peace is, it goes with me wherever I go. Just like if I'm irritated, my internal irritation goes with me everywhere I go. Yeah. And it gets deposited. And so, you know, if we want more peace in the world, have more peace within. Mm -hmm. So here's what Erico says in Setting a Trap for God. Moses teaches us that material things alone cannot totally satisfy all human beings. Truth and guidance that come directly from God are also important to humans. Material wealth alone will not bring equality, justice, and social order. Moses understood that having abundant wealth without having the words which come from, the, from God's mouth, truth and justice, would eventually lead to violence, chaos, and a disintegrating world. If we would have order in our social world, we must first have order within ourselves. Love and truth with justice and equality come only through inner harmony with the Holy Spirit given every day with us, recognized every day. We certainly cannot live without the necessities of life, but when we think only of material things and neglect our spiritual development, we lose our way. So when we say, God, give us this day our daily bread and realize it's so much more than physical material things. Now we are opening up, we're, we're expanding that space within where our union and our oneness goes even deeper. Make sense? Well, okay. Yeah, jump in. And when we go right back to thy kingdom come, like I said, I've been focusing on this all week. God's sovereign counsel, when it's paired with daily bread, it's his counsel to us is that food and that understanding and that state of being not only for ourselves but for others. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is intricately linked. But our Western Platonic mindset tries to separate that. And even in Jesus' day, he was calling that out and saying no. Because there was a heavy Greek influence in his day. In, in Jerusalem, and, and he's going, no, that's not the way. If, you know, seek ye first the kingdom, seek ye first the divine counsel of God, and all things will be added to you, including what you need this day, it really is so much bigger than what we've been taught, so much broader, because it goes outside of ourselves. Actually, when we're do, when we're recognizing the Lord's Prayer from an Aramaic perspective, it's pulling us outside of ourselves. And that's how we influence our culture. That's how we influence the world. That's how we get the, the courage to give a prophetic word in a public place. Because we're realizing that it's not all about me here, but it's about all of us. And when we can come into harmony as a, as a group of people, how much better is life? A group of people that are in harmony, number one, you're not in strife, so you're, you're in unity and you're in oneness, which means your immune system is going to function better, right? Which means if someone has a, has, a, has a short-term need that we can collectively meet, we can do that, and we don't feel guilt or shame because we trust that God will meet our needs the next time if we had one, an unusual need, if we expect that that's going to happen. And, and so it changes from self-focus to outwardly focused. 
And then let's take a look at forgive us our debts, our trespasses, as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. Trespass is an English common law term. So when King James translated it, the translators picked an English common law term. And that means a trespass can be, there was trespass against real estate, which is you invade someone's real estate. But then there was something called trespass on the case, which I invaded your personal space and did something. And that's the context here, is, is an invasion of your rights, an invasion of your space, an invasion of who you are in a way that caused consternation, harm, or emotional injury, something like that, to a person. So when I'm asking God to forgive me my trespasses, it's basically, it's basically saying, forgive me of how I've treated others if I've not treated them in a way that you've called me to do that. Now, if you translate and you throw the word debt in, the actual Aramaic term debt does, or I mean, Aramaic term does correlate to debt as well. But we said, when we hear debt, we talk, we think money, we think property. Mm-hmm. Trespass from the old English common law, we think property or injury to another. But is it bigger than that? What holds what holds me in bondage the most? Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. Guilt, maybe. Guilt. Things in my past. Mm -hmm. Things people have done to me in my past. Anything that gets my mind spiraling away from the sense of Abba, Mm -hmm. the reverence, in a sense, of our union and our oneness. See, we used to say reverence of of Abba, but it's really reverence of our union and our oneness. It's, it, it's really about that. So when I get into that place of ruminating on all the past things I've done wrong or all the past things that have been done wrong to me, I'm locked in. I'm, I'm, I'm locked. Because there's a part of me that can't move forward. Right? And so when I'm locked, and as I think we're learning from in other areas, when I'm locked, it, again, it, it takes energy to keep me locked there. Energy that could be used for other purposes, for co-creation. Everything that I take energy-wise away from being able to co-create, to be able to go outward and pull it back in to keep me feeling safe, I'm actually putting myself in a box. So we talked about, we've talked about over the years, especially in the healing rooms. Greg, remember what we used to say about unforgiveness in the healing rooms? Not necessarily. Drinking poison and think it's going to hurt the other person. Yes, it's like drinking poison thinking it's going to hurt the other person. It's like drinking poison thinking it's going to hurt the other person. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is I'm holding on so tight and I'm just thinking about all the things that I want God to do to rip you apart and bitterness sets in and bitterness rots my bones and that compromises my immune system. But you have a right. But I have a no, yeah. Well, except according to this, it says I, I can hold on to it, but isn't it better to give it away, to release it, to let it go? So as you extend forgiveness then outward out of your mind to those that you believe have wronged you, as you're extending forgiveness, you know, they're not number one, they're not even gonna know you're doing it, most often they're not. Number two, though, it frees you up. And as it frees you up, it releases them because you're not locking in 
negative thoughts on them. Carol. So forgiveness is what we do for ourselves. Yeah. And out of that forgiveness, then we grant mercy to the other person. Yeah. Forgive us our trespasses can also be translated from the Aramaic, which I think this author suggests is the more accurate translation, untie or release us from our offenses. Untie or release us from our offenses. Luke actually, in, in the King James Version, forgive us our debts. Luke actually, I think it's King James, actually translates, forgive us our sin, our sins, because it's tied to behavior. In the English context, and that comes out of, again, that Greek mindset, look at behavior. But it's more than just behavior. It's the attitude of the heart, right? What's the attitude of the heart? Is I am releasing others to go be who God created them to be. I'm getting, I'm getting away from them and us, right? Because holding unforgiveness is in them and us. And usually I convince myself when I'm holding unforgiveness, I convince myself I'm better than they are. Or I behave better than they are. Or I behave better than they are. So this forgive us our, our debts, our trespasses as we forgive others is we're recognizing the intrinsic value in another person, right? Oftentimes, what I think is a slight was not intended from them. Sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not. And so we get into this mental gymnastics that just wears out. And, and Jesus is saying, forgive us our trespasses, our debts, our sins, our whatever that hold us in bondage and as we extend the same courtesy to those we perceive that have, have, have wronged us, we're saying they're created in the image and likeness of God. They, they have a path they're walking. And yes, there may have been something that I took in and felt wronged about, but I'm not going to hold them back on their path. I'm going to bless them on their path. Linda. And when we do that, when we empty ourselves of all of that garbage... Then we created room for his counsel and for his understanding to fill up those that that void. Yes. So that we become more whole in him rather than the other. Yeah. And what it does is it take it takes all of that away from us to be more aware, to be more in in, in our oneness. And this is a hard one for a lot of people. Why? I want justice and I want it my way and my way is God smite you dead. And when you say it out loud, it seems kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, like, how dare that governor of ours do this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here's, here's, how, here's how Klotz sort of, the, the, the poetic structure that he puts to, to expand this out. Loose the cords of mistakes binding us. As we release the strands that we hold of others' guilt. Forgive our hidden past, the secret shames, as we consistently forgive what others hide. Lighten our load of secret debts as we relieve others of their need to repay. Erase the inner marks of our failures that our failures make just as we scrub our hearts of others' faults. Absorb our frustrated hopes and dreams as we embrace those of others with emptiness. Untangle the knots within so that we can mend our hearts, simple ties to others. 
Compost our inner stolen fruit as we forgive others the spoils of their trespassing. Loose the cords of mistakes binding us as we release the strands we hold of others' guilt. What is that you're reading? This is out of that book, booklet, page 30. He, for every line, he does a expanded, you could take from Aramaic thought, and he expands it out. And that's, one, that's his expansion of that, that section. That's the one you gave us last week. Yes. If we don't release, if we don't forgive, we lose the sense of community, we lose the sense of connectedness on a larger scale. And we stay in bondage. Not always easy to do. But Jesus taught about forgiveness, didn't he? How often do you have to do it? How many times do you have to do it? You do it till it's resolved. Carol. So what's coming to me is when we choose not to forgive, we are basically separating ourselves from union. You're certainly limiting the flow of, of the oneness and the, the sense of it. Of yeah. Of not not in a in our mind. We're stepping out of oneness mentally mm-hmm. within our own mind. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. Maybe. Yeah, and this is this is the coolest one of the coolest parts about what this author wrote. When you pray that line, you are actually reaffirming the original state and you become unburdened to live the original state. Mm-hmm. And we're one, uh, when we're our slender ties to creation are based on mutually releasing with every breath we breathe. So, you know, again, realizing that this, this prayer is about even breathing in, in the sense of oneness. As you're breathing forgiveness, you're actually opening back up to the original plan and design of God for you. So you could, you could sort of t- take that to say, as long as I hold on unforgiveness, I'm not going to step into the original plan of creation that God had. Or I'm going to spend a lot of energy trying to get there. Stuart. Could we, could we the word forgive, could we exchange that for release? Absolutely. He says that. You can. Absolutely. You can change that to release. As we you know, forgive or release us, it is. It is a. It is another interpretation. Yes. He has a mystical quality, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as a mystical quality, it's pretty cool. You know, I mean, this whole prayer has a mystical component to it. That means we engage it in our at an emotional level as well, at a heart level, mm-hmm. not just a brain level. Mm-hmm. And when we can train ourselves. To realize that this, there is a mystery, a mystical component to this, and then we begin to pursue that, you know, Holy Spirit, release in me the sense and the awe and the wonder of the mystical component of this prayer. And as I go through, what do you think is going to happen? Revelation's going to come. Sometimes about me. Sometimes about Trinity. Sometimes about how we relate to Trinity. All of that becomes wrapped up in, and I like the word release, as we understand, this is not a mechanical rote prayer. I mean, why would Jesus give us a mechanical rote prayer and say, pray this way, when he just got done condemning the the Pharisees for their traditions and their habits? Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes no sense. And here's here's another statement out of this this other book on on setting a trap for God. The master teacher, with capital M, capital T, 
understanding humankind as he did, made room for human weakness and, and faults. Thus he said he set the, stressed the need to practice forgiveness. He knew we were going to make mistakes. He knew we were going to be hard on ourselves. He knew we were going to judge others. And rather than zap us, he said, go to forgiveness. I'm not going to hold it against you. But if you don't go to forgiveness, it may come back to bite you because it's going to limit you. By golly, we should be quick to run to forgiveness. But it's hard. Because as Linda said, I want vengeance. I want justice. But when, when you really understand them and us, you no longer want vengeance and justice. But that's the message that the church has a hard time to breaking through today. Carol. Well, I think then there too, you know, for me, it's like, okay, do I, the real me, does the real me want vengeance? Does the spirit me want vengeance? Or is that the flesh ego me that wants the vengeance? Mm -hmm. And I heard something this morning that ego can be thought of as um, edging God out. And I thought that was pretty... Uh-huh. Profound. Good acronym. At, edging at, God out, yeah. Edging God out. So I'm edging God out. The, the part of me, the ego, that's not my real true nature, uh, wants to hold on to all that. But my true spirit man nature is forgiving and loving. And, yeah. So how do we forgive? Because he says forgive. How do we do it? I think it's when you think of an offense, and this is kind of what I've been learning with quantum U, you take the offense, you accept the offense, a whole offense, let it be, and then release it. And release all the tentacles that try to grow out of it. How do I release? I think it's a conscious act of sitting and choosing to say, I am not going to hold on to this, this is... This is bad energy, and I'm just going to let it drift away. Can I release bad energy with just saying I'm releasing it? Mary, you're sort of, you're sort of the energy expert of the, of the house at the moment. <laughs> well, my understanding is you have to acknowledge. You, you have to acknowledge, but sometimes I have to do something physical, like the tapping it would help release it. I mean, if I want to walk through forgiveness and tapping would help me reorient my thinking, something like that. There's, there's a, a technique out there. It was actually developed with PTSD veterans where there's different forms of tapping, but you can tap, and as you're tapping, you're re- it's pulling people out of um, certain mind patterns and allows the subconscious to be rewired. It's, it's addressing the meridians, yeah. the energy meridians in the body flow through certain... Um, they flow past certain yeah. areas. And then when you're tapping, you're stopping that flow of energy that is reminding you of that thought because thoughts are energy. Yeah. Oh, so you mean a physical. Yes. Tapping? Yes. Tapping. It's, oh. so, so some some, some practitioners do it this way, others do it tapping. So you're yeah. actually stopping that thought pattern from yeah. processing. And yeah. somebody discovered that. Yeah. You know, huh. that. That actually stops that flow of energy. That because thoughts are energy, yeah. and it stops that thought, and and then you replace that mm-hmm. thought with a Christ-centered thought. Yeah, and then that inserts the proper yeah. thought process. And even if you just if you just touch yourself like this, I mean, as I'm touching myself right now, I'm feeling right. a shift. I'm feeling 
these vibrations, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. positive vibrations starting to flow through my body because I'm I'm activating those areas. Yeah. It's, absolute it's, just, yeah. it's absolute yeah. science. It's absolute science. It's science. We are completely energy beings. Yeah. There, I, I know this is church, but folks, we are completely mm-hmm. energy yeah. beings. Yeah. And that energy flows through our bodies in magnificent ways. And for us to ignore that fact mm-hmm. is ridiculous in this day when we actually have pictures of that energy flowing through us and we understand the creator who made us that way so that we can self-heal and then to say well it's not in the bible or to just reject it arbitrarily without giving it any kind of um, uh, importance it's like it's just it's to me, one of the most wonderful things I've ever discovered, uh, you know, Christ in us in that way is so magnificent. So Yeah, I mean, there yeah. are just various techniques to release. And, and I'm just going to write various techniques. And over the next few months, we're going to explore some of those. Greg, you had your hand up. Yeah. I think one way to, really, to forgive somebody is to pray for their blessing. Yeah. Blessing. Yeah. yeah. That's true, too. From the heart. You can't hold both at the same time. Uh. Some of us are... getting hard, huh? Uh. Come on, Greg. Some of us are skilled that we can do that. Some people would rather tap. Well... (laughs) Some people would just rather tap. And and let's look at the the sequence. Forgive us as we forgive others. It's not forgive us after we forgive others. It's forgive us so we can forgive others. Okay? So that means oftentimes we have to forgive ourselves first. We have to bless ourselves first. We have to realize I need to come into that place back of harmony and oneness in that area of my life so that I can freely, as as a really conscious desire to want to bless someone else. Carol. And sometimes we have to back up and go, okay, I'm willing to become willing to become yes. willing to forgive. Yes. But also acknowledging Christ in us. Christ has forgiven everyone. And so it is Christ in us that can forgive yes. in our oneness with well, Christ. Full start day. <laughs> you know, and what makes us think we're all that in the bag of chips? Yeah. Everybody has to do everything our way and if what they've done hurt us it's like why is what makes us so all important that we can't let them be who they are in this world and that's why you know that's where racism comes from that's where all kinds of things come from because i want you to conform to who i am i want you to conform to my beliefs so i don't have conflict yeah, I want to create you in my image. I want to create you in my image. The minute we start wanting to convert people to who we are, rather than let them, you know, let them, let them live the life God created them to live, you know, now, I, now I'm in power and control, and that always causes problems. Let me, let me finish out forgiveness with the quote from the book. Forgiveness revitalizes our hearts and emotions. It releases any inner tensions, call energy if you want, and bondages that may plague our minds and souls. We release others and we release ourselves. We live in a self-compassion and self-acceptance. Knowing this vital truth, we, that we live in contentment, not needing the approval of others for self-acceptance. 
Oftentimes, unforgiveness is because you didn't, you didn't affirm me where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to affirm me where I'm at. If I'm if I'm operating in the intimate relational component of the first part of this prayer, I don't need you to affirm me. He's doing it at. He's always doing it at the exact moment I need it. Exactly. Wow, isn't that empowering? Yes. Wow. Shoo. So Can I just interject for a second? You certainly may. Okay. Uh, talking about the order of it, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. I always thought it was that I wouldn't receive the forgiveness until I forgave first. Mm-hmm. And now as somebody mentioned that it's that we need to release others before we could be released. And if, and if we don't release them, if we hang on to that unforgiveness that we're actually judging others, but I don't know, I'm, I'm a little bit mixed up on the order of how do we forgive first or do we, we get ourselves forgiven first and then we forgive. How, <laughs> you, I, know what, you know what I'm saying? I think I have, I think what I said is we have to forgive ourselves first, forgive us our trespasses because then that frees us up to be genuine in our forgiving others. If I, if, I, if, if I don't forgive my, let's say Carol and I have a dust-up, and if I don't forgive my part in it first, it's going to be really hard to make amends in a sense of our relationship because I'm still judging myself in the midst of that. So I will judge so myself. And I will, does that make sense? Yeah, so an honest approach would be, okay, see where you stand in this and, and, and understand that. And okay, this is my portion. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. And in the process of that, and then in the process of that, Muriel, that allows us to go back into that fullness of our oneness with Abba. And then he'll show me the best way to extend forgiveness to someone else. So maybe our energy flow is kind of stopped and we have to unplug that unplug that to to let it flow again i think that's a good way of saying it yeah 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 gold star you get two gold stars today yay (laughs) 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 worth three quarters in canada (laughs) (laughs) that's true we're going by the dollar But if we're going by gas prices... The, the bishop always has a hand grenade, no question about it. So let's go on to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What, what's evil? Evil judgments. Evil judgments? Anything, any thoughts contrary to the nature of God? Any thought contrary to the nature of God? Absence of love. In Aramaic, it's unripe fruit. Unripe fruit. What do you think that means? I think it means that when people have wrong things, they do things that are not necessarily beneficial to others. And the fruit of that sometimes affects us. And that usually comes out in inappropriate actions, right? Yep. Which can affect us. For example, a person could respond to something, an emotion that is causing them pain. Instead of processing it correctly, they go and get drunk. They get drunk and they go and drive. They drive 
and they hit some uh, family in their car and killed them all. It's like, that's evil. That's not like it was an intentional wicked thing that somebody thought to do. It was a response. It was a result of somebody's incorrect processing of their relationship with God. So when I think of unripe fruit, I think of bitter. There are multiple examples in Scripture when they went to eat fruit and it was bitter, it was bitter. and it was called so evil. Unripe. It was called evil. It was unripe. It had not reached maturity yet. See, unripe fruit is just we haven't matured to the point of where where the full sovereignty and counsel of God takes us to that place where we're just in perfect union and oneness. I'm almost 70 years old. I've never, ever heard that word in yeah. church. Yeah, ever. yeah. So when we say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, temptation are those things in the thoughts of, in, in our minds that we let run loose that are unripe. They haven't produced fruit yet. And so that example that Mary shared is the results of bitter. Yes, yes. Lead us not into temptation. If, you know, if, first of all, God doesn't lead us into any kind of temptation, but He's always working to correct our immature thoughts, our immature understandings, and we still have them. I still have them. But you see, listen to how listen to this um, Klotz's little expansion of this. Don't let surface things delude us, but free us from what holds us back from our true purpose. So lead us not into temptation. Deliver me from whatever immature, unripe fruit that I have by either ripening it or give me greater understanding or... Let it fall off the branch. Let it fall off the branch. Yeah, yeah. Don't let us enter forgetfulness, the temptation of false appearances, but break the hold of unripeness, the inner stagnation that prevents good fruit. Inner stagnation, what is that? Stuck. Stuck. Locked. Perseverating. Yeah. Perseverating. Yeah, that's a good one. Constantly thinking about something over and over and over. Is that kind of what you mean by that? Yeah, perseverating. Yeah. That's a new movie. Is it? You. Say it again. Perseverating is when you, is something bothering you and you just can't kick it out of your head. You just keep thinking about it from every angle over and over and over. Like ruminating? No, ruminating is softer. Perseverating is. Okay. There's an intensity with perseverating. Yeah, and it's usually something that's not. Alrighty. Yeah. And that's why you need to tap to break that. Hey, that's a good. Yeah, there you go. Greg. I've seen it before described as uh, do not, for lead us not into temptation is do not put us to a test. And it's, it's like asking the Lord, okay, I don't want to go to the place of being tested. So take me away from this unripe fruit that I want to eat. Yeah. I don't want to be tested. Yeah, restructure my path away from the consequences of unripe fruit back to the maturity and the fruit, ripe fruit that's already in me. So let me, let me read the rest of this. I'll go back up. For break the hold of unrightness, the inner stagnation that prevents a good fruit, from the evil of injustice, the green fruit, and the rotten uh, grant us liberty. So grant us liberty. You know, deceived neither by the outer nor the inner, free us to walk your path with joy. 
Keep us from hoarding the false wealth and from the inner shame of, of help not given in me. Don't let surface things delude us, but free us from what holds us back. So he, it, it, it's about recognizing that there's things in me that are not yet ripe, and I don't want them driving my day, ordering my footsteps. And being willing then to say, deliver me, from deliver me from that. And that may mean I have to make a choice to step away once he shows it to me. Yeah. I may have to take, make the choice to move away from law, mix law and grace into grace. Could we also say that as, don't take me to the tree of knowledge, take me to the tree of life? Sure. That's what I'm or, or reveal to me the depth of, of my interaction with the tree of life. Because I'm already there. I meditate on that more and more all the time. So again, you know what's what's going on is is it the call is to move us from what delays or diverts our advancing from our growing into a greater level of maturity and bringing us to a greater place of health. Remove the things that keep us that block us. And like tapping doesn't become a way. There are other there are other techniques to release that do that. And every one of us may have something different that gets us there because we're all unique. So why should I judge how Mary gets there or how Sharon gets there or how Stuart gets there? Why should I judge that and say, that's not from God? Because you're right. Because what? Right. All good is from God. Yes. All good is from God. of the road to get there. Yes. So if, if I stumble on, quote-unquote stumble on, something that frees me, away, uh, gets me away from the unripe fruit, gets me into that margin space where, where I have created a greater space in, to spend time with God and to hear and be part of the Trinity, if that gets me there, that's got to be good. And I don't care what the world calls it. Yeah, don't put a box on it and say, this is the way you have to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a time when the evangelical church said chiropractic medicine was of the devil. Right? I know it. Right? I go to the chiropractor every month. Have now for what? Years. Years and years and years. And I don't feel one ounce of guilt or shame about it. <laughs> no. So do you know, what I, you know what I say to that old church tradition? Up yours. <laughs> that old church Whoa. tradition. That's right. Whoa, you know and, and another way another way you could actually paraphrase lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil is just Loosen, and I'm going to put chains, which is really more thought patterns that bind. Loosen me from the thought patterns that bind. And you don't have to beg and plead and curse the devil for doing it? Nope. Oh, my goodness sakes. So we don't, we, we, but we also don't go navel gazing because this is a prayer that that sparks our relationship. So if we understand we're in this relationship, 
I don't have to navel gaze because wisdom and sovereign counsel is going to come out and show me when I'm ready. That is so much different than what I've experienced in the past. Greg? Not to throw another grenade. <laughs> but why not? Throw another grenade incoming. Doc! You said there's, you know, if somebody finds a path to whatever they're looking for, don't, don't judge them. Well, that's where the counsel of God comes in. Because sometimes somebody thinks eating, you know, the magic mushroom or licking the back of a toad or having that kind of experience leads you to enlightenment. That's where the counsel of God comes in. So there is... Well, who's to say it doesn't? <laughs> we, we won't Good go man. there. I'm just asking. That grenade just went off. <laughs> I might be too. Who's to say it doesn't? Because it alters... <laughs> It alters your reality falsely. And does it? Okay. If I think, if, if I summarize in what you're saying, if I put my faith in the technique and not the one who gives me wisdom and counsel, that is a problem. Yes. But if the one who gives me wisdom and counsel says, go dip in the lake seven times. True. <laughs> Then I'm going to go lip and dip. I'm going to do that. I will lick the back of a frog. <laughs> yeah. I love you. People are telling you. Like I said. Good one, Greg. Let's move on. <laughs> but that's different than judging. I and mean, we're not to judge what somebody's doing. I can, I can. Because if I judge it, I condemn them for what they're doing. Right. And that's not loving them. Even Christ doesn't judge us. He, he doesn't condemn us. He loves us through things. I mean, in the culture so, that no, Jesus came not, in, that, they did some pretty strange stuff to try yeah. and touch God. And I'm yeah. sure that he met them where they were at, yeah. is my and, point, and, I guess. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not quite like Mary. I'm not going to lick the back of the frog <laughs> because I don't like frogs that well. But I wash them first. <laughs> but but yeah, they hold still now. Need to judge somebody because then you got rid of the oil that that releases you, huh? Maybe they're full of tattoos and they've got they've got piercings all over the place. And I look at that and I I see okay, they're trying somehow. They're trying to find their way to God through all of this. But there's, you know, but if I judge that, I, that's that's the not. The judge means to pass sentence. Yeah, to that's give, not to the, give counsel to something totally. Yes, different. that's different. But it felt like you were kind of combining the two, and so now that you've cleared that, well, now you. I think the grenade has has been just um, a little smoke. The grenade is is all cleared up now. <laughs> yeah, and. The author of the Study of Trap for God, he, he, he emphasizes that our loving Abba, who gives us divine wisdom and counsel, never leads us into temptation. That's, he doesn't, because that would be contrary to his nature. Okay? He's always leading us into light, life, and revelation. Okay? What does that mean, then, that temptation? Um, temptation, uh, lead us not into error. So temptation would be error. Okay? Because because Klotz is saying so why would they say why would it say lead us not into error what what does that mean 
Because back back then, every you know, back then their understanding was God was behind everything. So if you went into a bad moment, it was God's fault. It was God's fault. That's what the Hebrew, the Hebraic culture was. Everything that happened to you that was bad was because of your either breaking the covenant with God or God was punishing you for something, or your parents did something. Or your parents did something. So if you got led into a tragic investment and lost everything, it was because in your relationship with God, He drew you there. And Jesus is saying, lead us not into temptation, is understanding that Abba doesn't lead us into temptation. Abba doesn't lead us into the things that pull us away. So it's a recognition, it's an affirmation of what he's not going to do. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. So he's not going to lead us into those things. But I can lead myself in there if I reject his divine counsel. Correct. So when I'm saying, also then saying, I, Abba, I know you're not going to lead me into a bad choice, but if I'm starting to move towards a bad choice because I'm, I've got some unripe fruit or I've been engaging in some inappropriate actions, stop me in my tracks and awaken me where I should be at that moment. Yeah, he's not going to lead us into the unripe fruit. Correct. But he is going to ripen the fruit that's in us if we let him. Right. However, when we do do it, which we do do. <laughs> because we are not perfect, okay, and so we do get into doo-doo. We there. do. <laughs> and there's other words, okay. Then, uh, and then God says, we can start from here, okay, basically. So he'll, he'll take what, what happened and, and it's, and move you. Yeah. And you could rephrase this to say, Lord, don't let me go down a path where my energies are going to be misused or abused. Yeah. I don't have time for that. Help me not to make those choices. Yes. Help me That's not. a good way. Yes. Help me not to make the choices where, where my energy is getting sucked dry. That's a more modern, in a sense, because of what we've been learning about energy and, and light and life. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. There is a huge debate as to whether that's even in the original prayer. Really? Luke leaves it out of his rendition of the Lord's Prayer. But if it is in there, the kingdom is still the same kingdom concept, and really what it is, it's a reiteration of where we started. Because that happened a lot in, in Aramaic and Hebrew. You start with a point and you finish with the same point. And so really, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever comes back to our dad and our relationship forever. But we tend to think, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, the, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Well, he, it's already all there for him anyway. The song just wouldn't be good without that. There you go. There you go. The doxology wouldn't be complete I'm without sure it. The Catholic version has a, a, has modified it the way you yeah. But if it is there, then then there's this closing part from from Dr. Klotz. From you, God is born all ruling will and the power and the life to do. The song that beautifies all from age to age it renews. To you belongs each fertile function, ideals, energy, glorious harmony during every cosmic cycle. Out of you, the queen and kingship ruling principles, the I can of the cosmos, out of you, the vital force producing and sustaining all life, every virtue. Out of you, the astonishing fire, the birthing glory, the returning light, 
and sound of the cosmos. Again and again, from each universal gathering of creatures, nations, planets, time, and space to the next. Truly power to these statements, may they be the ground from, all, from which all, may, or all my actions grow, sealed in trust and faith. Amen. So it, it's basically the ground where all my actions grow. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. So all of this is a, is a paradigm shift, perspective shift that takes us out into, of the rote tradition into a, an expansive understanding of the intricate uh, relationship we have and the life that flows out of it. And it's all for our good, not to punish us, not to deprive us. And as I've been saying off and on the last few weeks, in, in the Aramaic culture, it's about movement. It's about sound. They sing the Aramaic version of this. They move and they sway to it. And I did, I did put a clip in there to show that. Now, I will tell you, I don't, I don't speak Aramaic, so, so some of that just, it's like when, when Greg was playing that, whatever that was earlier today, that animal um, on the phone. Sometimes it gets me like that. But it is a way of, of realizing as you, as you listen to it and watch it, it's not just speaking. It's about embracing it as a lifestyle. And as we embrace it as a lifestyle, our good Abba, our Papa, our Mother, all combine to make this come alive in us. All right, so Ron, if you would play that one.
was not the entire prayer. I, didn't, I just showed you that. It's actually the first three lines. What'd you get? I saw, I did some viewing of this before and uh, I was so interested because the way they do the dance is that when they sway forward like that, it's union. It's all union with each other. Union with the Father. Union with each other. Mm -hmm. And I, I just thought that was so beautiful, you know. I, I, I love that. Well, and there's a kinesthetic component because they're in union, yes. they're touching. There's yes. an audio component. There's a oh visual component. It, it taps every input sensory system. And I knew what those meant because I had done a little study, so I knew the, what the words meant, which I yeah. think makes yeah. a little difference. You know, I knew it was father, mother, creator. Yeah. So the movement re reflects union. Okay. Yeah. Because I was going to ask, what do the movements? Yeah. yeah. It reflects what's the meaning the behind the movements because yeah. they seem very intentional. Yeah. Actually. It's a total experience well, it, of the senses yeah. and of the body. I didn't know what the words meant, but my spirit did because it was fluttering like crazy yeah. inside yeah. me. In a good way. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I could feel the you know resonation resonating yeah. in here, just like comfort, peace, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. So that's a, that's that's how in in the Semitic culture they would sing, they would engage in, and you've seen that in Jewish culture as well. There, you know, the, there was things in in the Jewish culture where they would sing and they would sway and. There's, there is just a component that, of that that helps open up our entire being. Mm -hmm. 
Stuart. You know, what I saw, at first it was kind of like, okay, this is really kind of strange. This is kind of weird. I was, I kind of went to Jimmy Jones Kool-Aid for a minute. And, and then I, I started to plug it into it, and I was feeling the spiritual component of what they were chanting, singing, and that started to really change my, my viewpoint. And then as I just closed my eyes, I just saw this circle, this small circle of people that we watched, and I could see this from a cosmic perspective, and I know it's on the way out. And that's all right. And I saw the earth, and I saw this little dot of people, and I saw this sparks of energy just coming out of them and getting mm -hmm. just so high and then flowing around, radiating right back to the earth. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's mm -hmm. like every little spark was what something, someone needed whether it was hope, healing, whatever. I mean, it was like this really majestic prayer that was just illuminating out. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I saw, and I just thought that was peculiar, See? interesting. Good. Ron, you can stop the recording if you want.